So are you saying if you go over 40 minutes, you're running the light? Yeah! On my on my on my necklace. Is it second lunch or is it fourth meal? I didn't have a breakfast. It's second lunch. Second lunch. Okay. Well, if you didn't have a breakfast, technically it's just lunch then. Yeah. Like it, because your first meal, your first lunch would have been breakfast. Okay, a breakfast isn't twenty chicken nuggets and a hamburger and apple pie. Dude, a breakfast is whatever it, you want yeah. it to no, be. No, it isn't. It depends on no, if it you isn't. want to party or not. Yeah. No, <laughs> breakfast is exactly, it's just, it's just what you want it to be because it's the first meal of the day. That's why no. the meal is called break fast. Breakfast is morning meal. I mean, so, I, work, I work overnight, so my breakfast is like at eight at night or nine at night, so. <laughs> yeah, my my wife, when she was uh, working overnights at the hospital, she would be eating breakfast at 6 p.m. Yeah. And then I, when I, she comes home and she's eating dinner, it's, you know, uh, 8 a.m. So it's just whatever the order of the meal is. So I woke up at 11.30, hung out and talked to somebody, and then I went home and i ordered mcdonald's i was already up i was past the breakfast window mcdonald's you can order breakfast at any time so there's really not a breakfast window anymore Mm -hmm. yeah there's no there's no such thing as breakfast at mcdonald's (laughs) welcome to running the light a show where comedians talk about what inspires them I'm your host. Welcome to Running to Running to Breakfast, a show where we break down what breakfast is. We just talk about that one scene from Big Daddy. <laughs> uh, arguably the most relatable that Adam Sandler has ever been, and I saw Uncut Gems. Why'd you say it that way? Uh I like it. You're not my dad. Anyways. No, I'm uh, not. I'm here. Uh, <laughs> I'm this your host. My, it's my favorite joke to make whenever we have a guest on because they haven't heard it yet. <laughs> Anybody who listens to this podcast has heard me make that joke probably a dozen times, but this one's for the people who for the people who are on the show as guests. It's funny I, every time. Oh, thank you. <laughs> wait, do you wait, 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 wait. I have a very important question. Okay. And uh, by the way, this is our host, uh, co-host David Cowscard, and with Hello. us is Zach Boblet um, from the spread. I hope I get the Springfield area correct. Yeah, the the big city where Lincoln was from. Yes, yes, I remember that. I was I was very drunk and scared during that uh, when we met at Larry's three-hour birthday comedy show. It just ended the uh, the roast <laughs> there. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, and it was it, it was uh, it was organized by his amazing wife. Uh, no, not wife, our girlfriend Nicole. And I said, Larry, I love you, and I love Nicole. But if Nicole ever puts on a three-hour comedy show again, I'm not I'm not coming. <laughs> well, the the part of the problem was the host, which I love Robbie, and we're we're good friends. But 
he got smashed on wine like yeah. even before yeah. the show yeah. started. No, he was asleep on stage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, don't do that, guys. Because then the out-of-towner uh, will make fun of you. And I was the third comic when he was asleep on stage. That is... Like, one of the comedians on the show getting wine drunk and falling asleep during the show is funny. The host of the show, the person who's supposed to be the most alert, the one paying the most yeah. attention to what's going, that's yeah. amazing. I believe, no, it, I, I'm, not, I'm not positive, but I believe they had to tag him out as a yes. host. Okay, yes, they did. They did. <laughs> but Larry was also the host of that show, basically, because he had to take control because he was asleep. Yeah, halfway through, they tagged out. <laughs> and I mean, this is no credit, discredit to any other comedian, but the funniest person was Larry's aunt, who was a journalist. <laughs> that was such an interesting night. That, oh. I don't remember any of my set because I went off script, which I never usually do. I the the actually the only thing I remember is one guy on the dais looked like Ben Shapiro, so then I made fun of him and said he looked like Ben Shapiro, and I got a huge <laughs> laugh. Oh, I went I went off book immediately once I did my like five jokes, and I go, I'm out of time, I'm out of jokes, but I kind of want to make fun of this guy that passed out next to me because like, w when when am I gonna find this again? God's given me a gift and really who am I to turn down God's yes and <laughs> you gotta improv off God you gotta God's a terrible improv uh, partner but when he's when he's ready he's great it, it, the, the thing with God that makes him so bad at improv is he always wants to go for the joke he never wants to set up the scene he just no he wants to laugh he wants to he, he doesn't want to create characters he wants to find the game and I go I don't want to find the game I want to listen. I'm just saying, God needs a couple more different teachers. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> uh, but no, I had an actual question, Zach. You you texted me. Did you have you actually watched the show before? I've listened to it. Yeah, I've listened to Damn. it quite a bit actually. Cause oh, I, go ahead. I said, oh shit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've listened to it. Um, cause. I started listening to like Dan Bublitz Jr.'s podcast, The Art of Bombing, and oh, that's a good one. On it. Good, good podcast. Yep, I was then, on it. Uh, yeah, so then that kind of gave me the heads up. I think you mentioned it, or something was mentioned that he was on there. So then I started listening to your guys through that. Nice, nice. <laughs> How have we been doing? <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's a it's a week to week process. <laughs> yeah no that's right yeah 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 that that is a wonderfully honest review i've been a little nervous since we've had to go into you know lockdown and uh we haven't been using the studio uh how these things have been sounding because i like I'll, I'll listen through some of them just to make sure like the audio quality is fine but I never really actually go back through and listen to see what the conversation was like. Like, was it a good conversation? Was it captivating? Was it so? Uh, I'm glad that we have that feedback now 
Yeah. Which means I'm going to scream at Jeremy when this is podcast is over about how we both need to be better. Well, you know, Listen. I think it's like, a, you know, any NBA or MLB coach is like, you guys gave your, you're all just gave 110% out there. Uh, you know, you gave your best effort each week. That's the most <laughs> important thing. Yeah. And yeah. Some, and I, I go by how memorable is it to me? Yeah, you you have a yeah. much different yeah. way of judging how, what a good podcast was than I, how I feel I like en- I would judge what a good podcast was. I enjoy like the conversation if I felt something. Like the roadwork one, honestly, is one of my favorites in a while because I got to just have some fun and talk about a small thing of comedy that brings that sparks joy. It's almost that's 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 good. I considered actually that being the special we would go over tonight because I really loved that special and I did actually get to see Dave Attell live at uh, Helium over in St. Louis beginning of this year and he is he is still tremendous live and he brings like whenever he has his opener it's a New York City like someone from New York that's just a killer who's like passed at the comedy cellar and Mm -hmm. brought a guy named Ian Fidance who destroyed for like 25 minutes and then he followed that I'm, in my head. I'm like, oh, man, this would be tough to follow. And then he just nonchalantly goes up there and, like, just kills and kills. And I I had to, like, stop myself. I was literally slapping my knee as yeah. part of his set, which has never happened in my life. We are but, talking about uh, Attells, by the way. Uh, oh, yeah. we have, no. This is technically two... two weeks in a row we've talked about someone with the last name Attell. Yes. <laughs> but we're, we'll but go into I, more I, detail about that set. Yeah. I, I, I got to see uh, Dave Attell live when he was in Omaha at the end of 2019. Yeah, the end of 2019. And it was, he brought Morgan Murphy with him. Okay. To open. And she, it, it was a similar thing. Like she just fucking killed for 25, 30 minutes. And, uh, I was like, man, this is going to be, that's going to be a tough act to follow. But Dave Attell is Dave Attell, and he just straight murdered (laughs) for like an hour and a half. I went to the late show, so it was like an hour and a half of him just killing. And he, here's the thing, the audience was reacting really well and laughing. And there were some jokes where I was watching how Attell reacted to the crowd's reaction. And it, he was unhappy with how they reacted to it. <laughs> I was like, dude, you have half the room clapping for you. Are you used to the whole room clapping for you? You seem but, upset that this joke just murdered. Who are we talking about today, though? Uh, we're talking about Simon Amstel from uh, the UK. Do you guys have yeah. any knowledge of this guy before? No. I feel like I might have saw him on Countdown. Okay. Yeah, he's a... He was, he hosted a panel, he was giant in the UK in the mid 2000s mm-hmm. um, when he was younger in his mid 20s. Uh, he hosted yes. a, a panel show called Nevermind the Buzzcocks. Oh, which, that's, that's how I knew him. Yep. Because I, I just couldn't place the show. But yeah. Yeah. yeah so I think, he, go ahead. No, I said, I thought I, I may have someone like best of the year or, uh, oh God, what's that one? Uh, the uh, year in review show. 
And then also yeah, big fat yeah, quiz show of the year or something big like that. Big fat quiz show of the year and then also nine out of ten cats do countdown. Yep. As like a guest. Yeah, he's uh he, he doesn't do too many of those appearances anymore, but he was on the when he was the host of Nevermind the Buzzcocks, he was very cutting and very mean and like he would insult celebrities to their face and He's completely different as a stand-up, and it's so interesting to see that because I just randomly glanced at this special one day like a year or so ago and was like, oh, this is completely different, but I also enjoy this too. Why did you pick this special? Uh, I did watch his his uh, other special, I think it was called Numb, which was pretty good. This one I think was a continuation and even better, and I like the uh, his ability that he has to have like dark subjects or and then just those dark subjects and he would be able to make them funny which is very difficult and also just his voice comedically is different than anyone else like how many people do you know that are like british gay and jewish like it's such a unique voice that he has this very specific take on things and i've never heard anyone like him before basically mm-hmm. Yeah, he is. Uh, different stories add to the comedy mosaic, mm-hmm. and it makes it makes it more enjoyable. Which is why I should say go to an open mic, but then I, I almost don't want to, because <laughs> you'll have to go to an open mic. Uh, but yeah, different voices. This made me feel like therapy. Like I've had a similar tone, a similar cadence than when I'm just talking to my therapist about what's going on and like and it just it just felt very vulnerable and very safe he's when I was watching this it it going off to your point that it sounded like therapy like this is whenever I you hear the people say that like they use comedy as therapy that bothers me because you shouldn't be using comedy as therapy he, he's sounding like he's having a conversation with a therapist when he's on stage, but you could tell he's already had this conversation with a therapist. He's actually yes. gotten help and talked to people. So that's why him doing it, A, it feels more genuine and well, much more well thought out because he's actually had the conversation. He's not going up and trying to get you know validation for his right. thoughts the same way that somebody who is using comedy as therapy would. Yeah, it feels yeah. like he, uh, he's like in the, the specials called Set Free and it feels like he's almost gotten, throughout the whole, the whole special, he's gotten better basically. And you know, you never get completely better when you ha- d- deal with mental illness, but it feels like he's gotten to like a Zen-like place. And it's very interesting to see throughout his special like him going through all the the stories in his life and him getting better from those. Yeah. And and the the coming to the realization of a lot of things, like when he's performing, he's making it sound like he's coming to the realization, but he's probably come to this realization already. Hence why he's able to talk about it. Like when he talks about his father being, becoming a hypnotherapist, he's like, you can't be the therapist. You're the trauma. Like the, like you, you could tell that he's done a lot of work to expand, like how he thinks of things and how he views the world, and 
uh, I, 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 that just like you, yeah, it sounds like he is not recovered, but he's gotten better. He's gotten to a place where now he is not afraid to express these thoughts and feelings. So, uh, I, I do comedy and I do therapy. Uh, my therapy is on Wednesday, which is when the open mic is. So I get to do both on the same day. It's terrible. Uh, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> you get to build yourself up and tear yourself down all in the well, same day. Well, here's the thing: when people say comedy is therapy, sometimes what they're trying to hide is that they don't want to show their work. They're letting out the problem without working. And that's not always mm. the case. I know a lot of people who do therapy in the comedy scene, uh, and I know me because I'm a narcissist and. Uh, but, uh, no, the more you work on yourself, the more you're able to dive deep into the little things about you. And when you show your work, when you show your mental process, you get to evaluate that. And that's where more humor comes from. And it's not like he's using it as a blanket for his mental illness. He's showing the work of where his, where his feelings lie and how his feelings create his choices. And even in small things that aren't overt, like his longing to want to kiss Steve again led him to kissing Nick uh, while taking drugs, which, what is MMK? MDMA. Is that wrestling? <laughs> no, no. It's Molly. Oh, I know Molly. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's, a very, it's a very potent form of ecstasy. Yeah. Oh, I know, I know Molly. Okay, cool, 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 cool. You didn't know okay. the actual name of it. You're just like, oh, I know Molly, I that... but what's MDMA? <laughs> I thought Molly was the real name for it. <laughs> I, I hear about this pot, but what's marijuana? Yeah, yes! <laughs> what is cannabis? <laughs> oh my God, for a second I had to pause and go, no, cannabis is CBD, right? But weed <laughs> is weed. And I go, wait, no, wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i've heard of yayo but what's cocaine i've heard of colombian nose candy oh no <laughs> david david what? when you said yayo i thought you meant oh i know i i know the juggalo soda <laughs> <laughs> and he's gone i believe it is called Fayo. The soda. Um, <laughs> right? It's what okay. all uh, juggalos wash themselves in is Fago. Fago! Yes. I don't listen. It's been a, I don't, I'm not going to make excuses, but I've been drinking a lot during quarantine. I don't know, I don't know what gin is, but I've been drinking a lot of booze. And. Tub gin. Oh, I could make my own gins. <laughs> it would be easy. Anyways, I no, I'm usually not one to say this, Jeremy, but I think you can achieve more. <laughs> no. uh, but no, showing your work and showing your mental steps, because I think that's, I know when I started doing OCD jokes, I didn't want to be like a Howie Mandel or a Danny Tanner or a monk. I wanted to showcase where what what OCD makes my mind do. Mm. Uh, and that's what he's showing in this and I think that's a very there's a difference between uh, mental illness as a joke and mental illness as the setup 
yeah and he he talks about like the struggles another thing that i loved about it is like you don't get to hear just the everyday workings of like a gay relationship and that's not something that comes up in comedy yeah. that often it feels like even even with a lot of uh gay comedians you don't really hear Mm-hmm. much about the inner workings of a gay relationship the same way you hear about the inner workings of you know a straight relationship as much during stand-up yeah that's why another reason why it's just like a different completely different perspective that you don't get to to hear very often and his stories about like his boyfriend and having that dream <laughs> yeah <laughs> the wet slut dream <laughs> this is better than a sex dungeon <laughs> <laughs> His punchlines, you could just say the phrase of the punchline and they're funny without like yeah. the lead up. And that's that's another reason he's hilarious. It, it, yeah, because they feel like afterthoughts, not in a bad way, like in an Andrew Dice Clay way, but they feel like like a oh, oh, I guess this. And then that's mm. that's where the humor lies. It's it, it lies in seeming incidental. And that's one thing that I kind of love. Sorry, I cut you off, Zach. Oh, I wasn't going to say anything. No, go ahead. Okay, sorry. Uh, uh, the, the, like, just British humor in general, I feel like you see a lot of that. Like, you'll, it's like just a very simple subversion yeah. of things. And I, I, I just really appreciate that. Because a lot of times, and maybe it's just because I see so many, you know, younger comedians or American comedians where uh, the, they, the mentality is the bigger, the better. But no, you, you can just have a simple, just something that simply pulls back a little bit and just reminds you, oh yeah, I'm at a comedy show, even though this person is talking about something very serious, just something small that you throw in there. Even just like repeating a line or, what I what I've heard like Norm Macdonald, who's you know a legend uh, comedically, but what I've heard him say is he wants to have the punchline be as similar to the setup as it can be. Mm-hmm. Like that's one of his goals. And there's something about British comic they comics they just make it so simplistic, and they just like tear everything down and then they go from there and they can be more absurdist or do whatever they want from there but they they tear it down first and then they go from there yeah they they tear down and then rebuild Mm -hmm. you'll notice and uh, at least at least i notice that sometimes when it comes to fish out of water or big weird events happening there's two ways to diverge there's two ways i think to take it you're rather the the goofy person in serious situation which makes you big or it is serious person in goofy situation who is not addressing it that's oversimplification i get it but that's what this podcast is all about uh and i yeah you nodded like a sad fact i get it david um but yeah but like what he's noting is there's weird situations drugs orgies and wet sluts uh, <laughs> and you you notice that it never nothing never feels big and that's it's a juxtaposition of itself but it, it makes everything feel more human and you get to relate to it and the humor comes more from just wordplay and just how how it fits in its reality a newer comic 
will find those big things and think gold mine, I get to be big for a while. And you don't have to be. Sometimes yeah. it's more funny to be small. Yeah, he's and, got like these these stories like the orgy story or going to France. Like I've never been involved in either of those things. <laughs> I've never yeah. had an or been an orgy or been to France. So technically, like really I shouldn't relate, but he makes them so relatable to where it's awkward and like, oh, no one at the orgy wants the funny guy. Ooh, this <laughs> no one wants Nobody. an ironic blowjob. <laughs> Ooh, this orgy so witty, so witty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, there's just, and I think that's one of the jobs of a comedian when you're talking to people who might not understand the situation that you would be in, is just finding the brevity of letting them know what the, the, I guess, not the brevity, the uh, way to explain the situation so that the people can at least empathize and visualize yeah what you're seeing even though they have no idea what you're like they've never been to an orgy at a nightclub <laughs> or been to france like you could they could still visualize it in a way and the, the way that he's able to set that up and actually keep it like he doesn't go into a ton of exposition about why it's weird because it is just like the, the the weirdness comes from the fact that nobody else has really experienced this. This is viewed as weird. So he doesn't need to go into a ton of exposition about why it's weird. Just start getting to the point and start making the jokes about it because people already can do half of the work on their own just by introducing yeah. the situation. I believe At least in the situation of the orgy story there are other examples where he gives he paints a better picture because he has to but he still does it quickly and with just enough information that you understand i believe it is the job of the comic to make an insight create a joke that feels like an inside joke and everyone's involved in mm. Uh, I think what you were mentioning with exposition, I think exposition can be the death nail of comedy sometimes. If you yeah. over explain things, that's one of the first things you have to learn in comedy is edit, edit, edit. Uh, if you think you have a five minute bit, you probably have like one or two minutes. That's good. Especially if it's the first time at an open mic. If you can, if you can get one or two minutes out of that, hey, that's, that's something. There's yeah. some sets where you don't get anything out of it. So well, I still have that problem, especially now since I'm still, you know, during this lockdown period, I'm still writing, but I haven't had a chance to take anything to stage to like figure out what works, what doesn't. Those online open mics do not help with that at all. Uh, so I know that there's a bunch of jokes that I'm about to go out when, you know, if and when things open up that I'm probably going to have too much exposition, even though I've already gone through all of those jokes and I've cut things where I'm like, and eh, they don't really need to know this. They don't really need to know this. But I'm still gonna go out there and I'm still gonna find out that I have too much because I, that's just a problem that I have in general because I just, I have that notion where I need people to understand entirely uh, I, I need people to understand entirely what I'm saying when they don't need to. 
They need no. to understand enough. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. I was just getting a call from my sister there, so if it seemed like I got distracted, that's what You're happened. Right. <laughs> yeah, the, no. uh, the thing that I, the thing that I think helped me with that um, is like when I started comedy, I was doing just one-liners, which I think is a good entryway because then I eventually mm. transitioned to doing stories, but I still have it. All my stories have to be very punchy before I even try to get them on stage. Uh, mm -hmm. So I think you, I think that's a good way to start is to just start with jokes and then work your way up to stories once you get better. But I don't know that that feels like almost what he was able to do because he was on that panel show and he was doing just set up punchlines on the panel show. And then he went back out to doing stand-up and he was doing more all the story-based stuff that had a lot of punchlines in there within those stories. Mm. Yeah. And I think that's <laughs> like, I had somebody at an open mic one time. It was a, a wife of somebody who does comedy in Omaha. And I was trying to figure out why a joke wasn't working. And the way she said it to me, it was like, well, she, you're missing that cow's guard rhythm. And I was like, I don't know what that means. She was like, usually you say a line or two and then there's a punchline or there's a joke. But you were going, like you were saying a bunch of things before you even got to a punchline. I was like, oh, so I just need to go back through and punch up this joke then. Like there's not enough jokes in this story. Do you know if that was like the, uh, the the first or second time or early on doing that bit? Because I feel like you get your rhythm with a bit after doing it a few times. So maybe you I, just had- I remember that it. night, that it, was a newer it, joke. Yeah, it was, it was maybe the second or third time I had told it, but the, I, it just made me realize like, oh yeah. A, first of all, it made me realize, A, I have a formula and B, uh, that all of my jokes are better when even though I'm telling a story, the story isn't the main focus of it. The fact that I'm making jokes during the story is what makes it funny and actually listenable too. <laughs> because so let, go on. Let me pose a question then. You, you brought up a good point and I like that idea. Mm. It, the purpose of my joke is not that I'm telling a story, but I am making it funny. Is that a comedy thing or is that a David Kalsgaard thing? Because can I tell a story for the focus of telling a story and it kind of be funny? I think that for, that's mostly a me thing. It might apply to other people, but I just know with what I do on stage and like my life in general, Mm -hmm. The stories themselves are never really going to be that interesting. I have to make them funny with an observation, a witty comment, or just, you know, a joke in general. So while that might apply to other people, I think that is mostly a me thing that she pointed out to me. Yeah. I found but you that... see... Oh, sorry, go, go on. Oh, okay. No, you go on. Uh, I found that, like, the easiest which maybe that's like just my style of comedy, but the easiest thing to do isn't like start off with a funny story. The funny story makes it more difficult to write jokes for it. I found yeah. the easiest thing to do is either a mundane or even like what could be considered a sad story 
is easier to play off of and make jokes about like something that at the time you were like oh this really sucks but you can look back on it with humor and then throw in jokes about it like I can I live in Springfield but our summer vacation each year was to the St. Louis Zoo which is like an hour and a half away and I make jokes about that I'm like really this is what we this is what we could afford to do. That's how poor and white trash we were. And that's an easy canvas to do. But at the time, it's really sad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When you come to that realization, it's a little but yeah, I think a funny like a funny story is a funny story. But it's hard to punch up a funny story because you kind of get blinders on. You want to get to that end thing that makes story funny but you don't see the other things around the situation that make it funny as opposed to just, if you take a thing or, you know, just a sad story, like you were saying, you get to see around that point, what the actual funny things are. You don't have blinders on where you want to get to that end point. I, uh, sometimes when I when I'm thinking of a story and I'm watching other people tell stories, uh, because that's what David and I have to do every week is watch people tell stories. I notice that that sometimes the treat isn't the joke; the treat is the story. Listening to the time that I got to go to a party and then I got to kiss two people isn't a funny story. It's an engaging one. And I didn't laugh a lot, but I was happy. And sometimes when you're a comedian, you need to know when to, sometimes, especially I would say a more introspective comedian knows just to make something interesting and engaging for people to sit and feel. And if you have that, they'll laugh when you want them to laugh. Mm. And that's, that's, I think, the focus I got during this. This reminded me of, uh, of Tignataro's uh, Oh God, boyish girl interrupted. Because I wasn't laughing a ton. I love Tig. I just wasn't laughing, but I was engaged. And those are my like, favorite types of comedy specials. It's just, I'm not laughing a lot. But when I'm laughing, it's because I know what I'm laughing at. I, th I, I think like the perfect comedy special for me is equal parts that. Yeah. Like you have, there are plenty of jokes for you to laugh at, but it's also interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, and there are some comedians who are more interesting than they are funny and there are some comedians who are more funny than they are interesting overall there, there's many ways to find success in this uh, this business but if you can combine both being interesting and funny ooh, you hit a sweet spot I mean yeah. I've, I've watched this special like three or four times now and each time I, there's a few punchlines that I still laugh at and are still hysterical to me the the fountain a washed cum off of my hands great. fountains of paris <laughs> it's just so poetic and gross at the same time he has some of those lines that are you know funny no matter what but then he's also just an entertaining personality on stage he's very engaging and and he's very present which is something you mentioned about like like Tig Notaro is another person I feel like is is very present when she's on stage. Like he's very present during the special. Like even when the person's walking out of the uh, the the room, they they had a reference to that. He's like he said something about like uh, 
why don't you love me daddy or something like why didn't you think i was funny daddy or something like that when yeah I walked out. am i funny enough daddy i believe was the phrase <laughs> okay yes. yeah 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 yes uh no it is and it is callbacks and it's smart and it's tightly written uh and it has the pacing and feel of a fireside chat. Oh, yeah. And he's not the, very physical, but when he does have a physical, like he has that one physical joke where it is like, uh, he goes into like the fetal position and it's hilarious. Discipline, discipline, blissipline. <laughs> oh, God. I've... You know, what that what that made me think of when I heard that joke was there have been so many times in my life where I have talked to somebody and I've gotten to know somebody and I'm like oh you're like you're pretty cool you're pretty smart you kind of know what's going on and then they say some dumb shit like that and I'm like oh no you're just an idiot like everybody else I've ever met and it's uh, just a, it's just a letdown. I've been it's in almost every down. one of those moments with David. Yes. Yes. Yeah, it's great. It's the, it's the thing like, uh, and it goes back to his, his dad and his mom or something. It's the thing like, oh, the adults know what's going on. Like you're always looking for that adult to know what's going on. It's like, oh no, no, this guy's dumb too. Everyone's dumb. <laughs> Everyone's dumb. If every single person is just trying their best and honestly, that's just not good enough anymore. <laughs> No. It's just not. <laughs> no, it isn't. I, I sort of, I, actually, you know, now that I'm thinking about that, I might try to bring this joke back. But the moment I realized that as an adult, like I realized that it was a possibility that there are people that nobody knows what the fuck they're doing is when I found out that FEMA uses the Waffle House Index like to help assess how bad a situation is during a natural disaster <laughs> like th that's when i realized like oh nobody knows what the fuck they're doing no smart no. people are like how bad is it like i don't know have people gotten chicken and waffles today uh. and i'm still slowly coming to terms of like what he talks about early on in his uh special about realizing uh that your parents aren't these omnipotent God people like that kind of hit home. Cause that's something that I think everybody has to go through at some point. And it kind of challenges your relationship with your parents, especially if you had a pretty good relationship with your parents, when you still realize like, Oh no, these are flawed people, just like every other person on this planet and coming to terms with that can be pretty difficult. Like, you know these people are good people. They have love in their hearts. They're caring people. But also, they fuck up royally in a way that has screwed you up entirely. Yeah, yeah. And they, there's nothing they can do to fix it. Yeah. So that, that whole opening part when he's exploring that, like, oh, man, this shit is... A, it's funny. A, making that sort of... Because for a lot of people, when you go through that realization, it's traumatic. And I'm sure it was for him, but, you know, I'm, that's how you can tell he's worked on himself, is he's able to make jokes about that and overcome that. Yeah. To now the, uh, point out the absurdity. Go on. The, the idea of, like, 
being able to bring childhood trauma and somehow make it funny is very difficult. Like I have one five minute hunk on when, when I was hit as a kid and that, that was so difficult to write and like, let alone like however many, like half an hour, 45 minutes, whatever he has in the special of just that talk, that mm. five minute chunk was very difficult because if it doesn't work, then it almost feels like the crowd is rejecting you as a person when you're talking about your yeah. trauma. So then yeah. you, you have to make like with that five minute hunk it, luckily it worked the first time. And I've, I have it like as my pre closer basically now, and then I go into yeah. something happier at the very end. Yeah. But I, that, I don't know if I would have been able to continue doing it if the first time it didn't work. Yeah. I, I've learned, I think I'm reminded of something like in writing class, a topic I wanted always, I liked exploring in sci-fi. I've started that sentence three different times now is uh, I want to see not, I want to see the end of the world hundreds of years after the apocalypse, not just when the, when the apocalypse first hits. Mm -hmm. And I think that's this special it's the trauma or it's the sad realization after the not in that sad moment it's the it's the rebuilding process after the destruction you don't see that yeah that's honestly that's why the fallout franchise as a video game is super interesting to me because it's hundreds of years like all the games take place hundreds of years after humanity was essentially wiped out. The same thing with the Metro Exodus, or not Metro Exodus, Metro series. Or near. Yeah, you like you see, you get to see what it would look like, and is that actually what it would look like? Probably, probably not. But like no, you... we'll find we'll find out when we come back from the pandemic. But yeah. <laughs> I but... I feel like. In, yeah, in comedy, you don't get a fallout. Yeah, you usually don't You're, get to see enough. Yeah. You're always bombing. <laughs> that was, come on! Give me that! You get this one. That was witty! <laughs> <laughs> that was witty and a little dry. But... No, you never get the fallout. You always get it in the moment. A breakup is always happening. You're always just having sex with somebody. You're always just finding out your dad's a piece of shit. Years later, let's find out what happens after you had sex or after the breakup. And he does a good job of like uh, explaining like how he acts as a person now is based on what happened to him when he was younger like the uh exactly when he talks about like uh liking younger men <laughs> he, he talks about being a, he said like i'm a pervert no i'm just a narcissist and also a pervert, no, pervert. <laughs> <laughs> i yeah like just i don't know like you change more than just those big moments like we keep saying little moments but you also you also change in a lot of different ways every day and you can always focus on that and you notice that i think when you mature that's why maybe com maybe that's why people say comedy takes so many years to get good mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I feel like the best – there's occasional, like, guys that blow up in their 20s and are interesting but uh, and funny, but most of the time you're in your 30s or 40s before, like, club audiences actually respect you or – uh, I can't. I think. I think it was Ricky Gervais, who I'm not a huge fan of his stand-up, but he talked about how uh, he. You can't be like a 25-year-old guy and be whining about things. Like people don't care about you whining about things if you're 25. If you've lived a life and you've had things happen and you're 35, 40, then they start to care. They're like, "Oh, who's this curmudgeon?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, f- I found out. That's very true because I'm still I'm still only in my twenties. I'm uh, twenty eight. Turning thirty in two years here. Oh, no, nice. Yeah, nice. But when you actually talk about life experiences that you have, or like what people would deem real experiences, like the fact that I found out what, after I got married, like all of a sudden I'm able to relate to a larger group of people, even though they might be older than me, simply based on the fact that I am married and that I'm going through, you know, I'm going through the process of a marriage. All of a sudden that makes it seem more legitimate. Like when you say my wife, instead of my girlfriend, my wife. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, Oh, no, 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 no. David, yell at Zach. Come on. What? Come on. I'm, He's a I'm going to be nice. Uh, come on. I, I, I hate the Borat voice. I hate come the on. Borat. No, no, come on. Come on. Come on. Do the thing. No. Say, the, say the line, Bart. <laughs> no. <laughs> He's our guest. I'm going to be nice to him. Fuck you. <laughs> you, you. You I get to hate on indiscriminately because yeah. we have to we, this is essentially our house that we have built together. We also have to fill an hour. But... And, I hate, and I hate my roommate, so. The, That's fair. But yeah, you, you, there's just something about having these life experiences where all of a sudden that legitimizes you more, even if you are a younger person to a 40-year-old. Like, if, you, if, I, if I were to start having kids and I could... Ugh. talk about my kids all of a sudden people are now relating more because either they yeah. are going through that or have gone through that do you think david that's why younger and newer comics because they're not married not saying because they're not married but because they're not relating to an older audience they do go bigger in their punchlines or in their stories so that way they fit uh they could somehow feel more valid that oh this guy went through something big uh in that moment i don't know because i'm thinking i I think that's a possibility zach what do you think think? i feel like when you're younger you have like a different style of sense of humor especially the times that i grew up like hitler jokes were funny at the lunch table or (laughs) you know these like very dark jokes were funny which is what you see at an open mic and then the people grow up and they're making jokes about, like, you know, what they did at the grocery store or, you know, at, at the hotel or whatever, whatever just randomly comes into the life. And that's way more relatable uh, than just like some random like joke that you thought of at, at the lunch table. I feel like that's 
that's the difference between when you're younger. And I, I think I went through a similar thing because I, when I was, I started comedy when I was 19 originally. Mm. Uh, so I had to get my hand stamped to go into comedy clubs and bars and stuff. <laughs> that was fun. And then like I did it for like three years, went and got a real job for a few years and then came back to comedy like full time, as much full time as you can get right now, but full time like a couple years ago. And I feel like I'm so much better because I have a girlfriend who's like, you know, there. So then I don't have to be so emotionally attached to stand up to where um, it's not the only thing that matters. I feel oh, like that's a big key. Yeah. Yeah. You, it's, I, I think, and it's just the audience can tell. Like, I think the audience can tell when you've actually been through something. Because a lot of these younger comedians that I see who do well are people who have actually been through previous hardships in their life. So there's a form of, you know, genuineness if they try to open up and talk about that and make jokes about that rather than somebody who hasn't experienced, which is probably why my comedy when I first started when I was 21 sucked. Because I was a 21-year-old dumbass thinking that I could be a comedian having absolutely zero hey. life experience. Hey, you're also a 28-year-old dumbass. Yeah, but I've lived more <laughs> and I have experiences now. <laughs> now your ass is callous. I, I, do, I do hate the, uh, the phrase like, oh, you'll, you'll understand it when you're my age, which mm. sometimes that makes sense, but there's a lot of really dumb old people. Yeah. Like, there's yeah. a lot. <laughs> No, no, I'm, almost, I'm, I'm almost on the internet today. Almost <laughs> exclusively all of the dumb people that I see in my life or the people who I think are dumb are, they are either older than me or they're teenagers. Yeah. <laughs> and Teenagers are fun dumb though. I like dumb teenagers. Yeah, teenager, te teenagers being dumb, like that's not their fault. They haven't they're gonna lived. The thing that pisses me off is when people have lived a full life and seen the world. Maybe they have. Well, maybe they haven't seen the world. That's the problem: is they haven't seen the world, or they're not. Yeah. They don't care about other people's cultures or try to understand them at all. Yeah, yeah, they don't. They don't try to understand anything besides their own life and their own world. And if they see anything that even isn't remotely close to how they think the world is, they get upset and pissed off by it honestly i think that's kind of why like the past five seven ten years in this country have seemed really tumultuous and upsetting is because you have a bunch of people with different realities who all have like a same and equal voice on the internet to talk about that reality and people can't agree what is and isn't real and the the uh this i think you mentioned that they they're just angry about other people i think also they're scared too they're scared of changes they're scared of differences which mm -hmm. is something that actually simon amstel mentioned in this when he was at the the bar mitzvah and the rabbi came up to him and he mentioned that he that was his i, I think it was his boyfriend i don't think it was his husband he's mentioned that this was his boyfriend and uh the the rabbi hugged him and he's like oh I, at first I, I thought he was just being nice, but then I realized that, that he was just scared because he didn't yeah. understand it. Mm -hmm. 
I want to, yeah. Like, there's, I don't know. Like, yeah. There, you don't see resolution in comedy. Like, you don't see comedy about, I'm fine now. And that's what this is. It's comedy that I'm fine now. And I, I've not seen that before. And it's, and even then you, you only get a glimpse of I'm fine now because you're never really fine. Mm -hmm. Like, no, you're you're just better. You're just better. Like this and Gary Goldman's The Great Depression are like the closest you'll get to I'm fine now. But even then, there's still work to be done. Like you, that you never stop working on yourself as a person. And the day that you do is the day that you might as well just die. Yeah. <laughs> like I, you have, I, I mean, that's, that might be a little my, harsh, but like you have to continue to try to grow and learn. And I get the urge to not do that. My, like my parents are in their late fifties now. Like they have lived a lot and it just seems increasingly harder for them to try to understand new things and new concepts. And I get why they don't want to because they're tired. They're old. They don't want to think about these new things, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't be thinking about them. I, I guess my question is when I, the reason I brought that up is I'm the youngest out of the three of us. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you want a cookie or? <laughs> I can't do sweets. They hurt my teeth. Uh, <laughs> now you sound just, the oldest of us. Now I, <laughs> oh, no, it just means I don't go to a dentist because I'm afraid. Uh, which back to you? Uh, <laughs> back to infantile. <laughs> no, listen, listen. It, they put metal in your teeth and they poke at your bones. How does that not freak you the fuck out all the time? It does, but I nut the fuck up and I go because <laughs> no. otherwise I won't be able to eat ice cream. Damn it! <laughs> the minute it gets to, too sensitive. The minute it gets to ice cream bad, then I'll go see a doctor. But now I'm at cookie bad, and I don't like cookies, so it's cool. Anyways, I'm not in love with cookies. Anyways, anyways, I think like why isn't there resolution comedy? Comedy about being fine or being in a, a state of. I'm better now. And then I remembered a party. Uh, it was, I think it was a Labor Day party. This was in the before time. So uh, I remember we were just talking about how all comics are sad. And I think some comics need to be sad in order to vent. I talked about on this podcast about how talking about suicide made me have addressed my suicidal nature and kind of help with it a bit more. But also, like, once, once you find that, you don't want to let go of that, that something's wrong with me because that's how you found your validation or that's how you're getting your joke. It's like a bad improv. You keep finding the game. And sometimes you're afraid of losing that game, you know? But I could be out of my I th- ass. I could be talking out of my ass. I think if you... If you feel like self-improvement in any capacity is going to, not, not if you feel like, because I understand that fear, but if you think 
that actually working and if you get better and if you do get better you become unfunny you never really had it in the first place i would yeah that's what i would yeah. venture to say like and, you should never I, be afraid to i should yourself. clarify that i don't i am working on myself regularly and i don't feel i'm going to be unfunny i was never funny but <laughs> i i do i do know that there's some comics that maybe have that fear of showing a more i'm fine happy sedated calmness on stage i think the the reason why you don't see any of these specials like other than gary goldman and this one here is it's so much more difficult to thread that needle comics in general are just annoyed with things sad about things or you know just pissed off about things that's so much easier than to look at yourself and like be positive about where you're going and still somehow make jokes about it. And by the way, mm. being positive is very difficult to be funny it and is. be positive. Mm. Being positive, like, it sounds like you're preaching sometimes if you're trying to be so positive. It sounds like you're either trying to sell something or you're preaching and you just sound like a douchebag, unless mm. you're doing it in this way that Simon Amstel does. And then you're like, oh, he's an actual person. He's three-dimensional. He's not trying to, to sell me on anything. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'll, ad I'll admit the minute I heard and saw like five seconds of So Good News, I scoffed loudly and I went, this is bullshit. And I turned it off because it didn't feel genuine to me. Uh, oh, like Saccharin is one hard for some people to stomach. The that's why I, I think my, possibly my favorite form of comedy is watching somebody make a joke about something that they love. Like if they talk about how they love it, but then can still make a joke about it, that's one of my favorite things to watch because you didn't go negative. You didn't complain. You just talked about a thing you enjoyed and still found a way to make it funny now there, yeah. there are a lot of times uh in my own act even i talk about things that i like but i end up complaining about the thing as well yeah and i think it's just because that's it's much harder to just write a joke about something you like like zach you said it sounds like you're trying to sell people on something yeah. It sounds like you're trying to it it I I don't know. It just it it's sounds hard. like your Kevin Hart on Joe Rogan experience this last week where he's just and trying I, to sell yeah. burgers and stuff. Yeah. And I wanna tell you guys that when I say I love Casper mattresses <laughs> it's that I genuinely love the product. I feel like they come to you in this big how they do it box that they just cram this giant bed in and it works. And did you know that NASA actually engineered the Casper I mattress? did know that. And did you know that they give you not just a 30 day, not just a 60 day, but 100 nights. Imagine that, imagine that, 100 nights. Free uh, trial, you can return it back. I could put so many dead hookers on that mattress. <laughs> I we, have... we need to stop talking about Casper mattresses. <laughs> They're not paying us. Here's the thing. No, because no. they sometimes give uh, people that they, uh, that they sponsor uh, a mattress, and I would kill for a queen. Do you, I do would... you need a new mattress? I, I could use a new mattress, yeah. 
I would like to buy an. I, I want a platform bed. I don't want. I don't want these bed rails and a springboard anymore. I, I do want just a platform, low to the ground mattress. I have one of those. It's great. No, with shelves underneath. With what underneath? Oh, shelves underneath. Oh, yeah. 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 No, they're. The, the, I, I, my wife and I uh, last year my we wife. bought a new bed frame, and that was. <laughs> You can't pick one. You can't. You you can't. I fucking hate you. <laughs> so you can't much. punish one and reward the other. How do we I, learn that it's not okay to shit in the house? I didn't reward him for saying it. I just said I wouldn't be mean to him for saying it. <laughs> There's a difference. In, in action. In if somehow you think the lack of punishment is a reward, that is on you. Dave, David, David, you and I could talk about that. <laughs> that we live in a society that has proven time and time again <laughs> that inaction is a form of gratitude. Yeah, that's actually... Well, it, I, I'm talking about in this situation... Not in the real world. That's fair. Where, you know, when people don't prosecute police officers for murdering yeah. people, all of a sudden it thinks people, the, the other police officers think I have a fucking green light to do it. Like, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when someone makes a goddamn Borat reference. <laughs> you're right. No, you're right. I, uh, and I was super, by the way, I want you to know that all this morning I was reading the news and I was depressed, angry, sad, and scared. And somehow watching the special and seeing that the world can get better. But we as would, people can get better because he as a person got better. That's the, a good takeaway too. Is people yeah. get better. As people, we can get better. It just takes a lot of effort. And most people are lazy and like cheeseburgers like me. I, yeah. I also the, the, did order a cheeseburger. <laughs> the The... The simple reason people don't make improvements in their own life is because they don't want to put forth the effort to do so. Typically when it comes to either like their physical fitness or their mental health, like if you put the effort in, you'll be rewarded for it. And, and putting effort means disruption. It means kind of breaking yeah. everything down and building up. You're you're going you're it's going to be uncomfortable for a little while. Like I, uh, during this quarantine, I started working out again, and there were times when my body hurt really bad, but also I feel better now because I've been working out. I feel like I have more energy. I've been less depressed about things in the world lately because I have those endorphins going. Yeah. Like you just, you feel better. But at first, yeah, it hurts a little, but it's worth it. And it's I think worth it. that's what society as a whole, especially right now in this country, needs to realize. Like, yeah, it's gonna hurt for a little while, but when the problem's fixed, everybody's gonna feel so much better. We need these be changes to happen. That's the whole. Yeah. yeah. And I try to avoid talking about the real world. Sometimes the real world just, uh, it exists. Mm. And you need it's, to. Adri- 
it's impossible to avoid it. Yeah, you need to uh, you need to accept the trauma. You need to uh, you need to get into it head first in order to grow. And if I've learned anything while watching this today, and today was a sad day, maybe I would have laughed more if I wasn't sad. Mm. But watching somebody going, my dad sucked. I was afraid of who I was, but I worked hard, and I got better, and now I'm happy. Yeah, that uh, that feels good, and it, it does. It does. It's better than seeing the same comic talking about his wife over his and wife? over again. My wife, over and over again. I feel again. like this. I feel like this is a personal attack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, what I well, I, I I couldn't think of what an angry, sad comic in an open mic says. Oh, wait, I know. It's Tinder. I went on a Tinder date, and these girls are lying about who they are. Why did I, why did I forget that? Did oh. you know women be shopping? Stop! Uh. <laughs> what? Yeah. Uh. There's a lot How of differences between men and women. Fun fact. <laughs> I, I feel like we just hit some groundbreaking stuff right here. Hey, 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 hey. Do you guys know that weed? That's it. <laughs> Is this podcast now going to win a Pulitzer? I feel like it might. Oh, God, I love <laughs> That would involve listeners <laughs> who don't text me to ask to be on the show. That, <laughs> that is what I need. Oh man! I I, ca- I count the listeners and I go fuck. I expect this many emails about asking to be on the show. Hey, at least I waited like a few months before. That was very kind. <laughs> I waited until I was at home and could do nothing else. No, that's actually the right answer. What are these emails that you're talking about? I actually did get one that isn't Zach. Zach's was nice. That's why I put him on. One is says, hey, we could talk about anything. We talk about video games and whatnot. And I go, first, I'm running the light. We talk about the comedy that inspires us. And then a couple, and then later, hey, let's talk about community. But like, <laughs> yeah, we ended, up, we, we ended up doing a side project where we do talk about just whatever bullshit comes to our mind. But that's different. That's to, that's to kill time while we can't go anywhere. <laughs> I also bought a Tamagotchi, a Pac-Man Tamagotchi. We we don't need to talk about that right now. <laughs> he just he just evolved. Anyways, uh, but no, like, no, I got a lot. I get, I get, I've gotten messages about it. I've also gotten people during uh, an open mic not so subtly ask me, and I go, all right, <laughs> what? When I'm free one day, I'll put you on. Oh yeah. Yeah, I was very forgiving when I sent the message. I'm like. Uh, you you don't have to have me on. I, I'm just a listener, and uh, it was almost like the character of Chris Farley when he interviews a celebrity on SNL. He's like, uh, if you want to have me on, I mean, I guess you could, but if, if not, it's no big deal. Thanks. You are you are a step away from saying, hey, for a long time listener, first time caller, and if you would have done that, <laughs> would have put you on immediately, and I already did, but I would have. <laughs> put you on faster but it was partly because and i'll be honest i go you know what i remember you uh but i, I don't remember you and then uh, larry said oh i know zach he is the nicest sweetest funniest comic you'll ever meet 
and I oh, take yeah. a recommendation from uh, uh, Larry as the biggest endorsement in the world. That was so nice of him to say that because Larry's a good man. Oh my gosh, yeah, we were like, uh, I filmed this little sketch thing we did together on uh, Memorial Day, and then we were like shitting on each other, like you know, like comics do, uh, driving back uh, in a in our friend's SUV. I'm aware. And then, and then, and then I I was like, oh, I feel like I was too mean, and I sent <laughs> a message. I'm like, I'm sorry, I didn't. I I feel like I was an asshole there. I literally told David I will kill him and call his wife to apologize. Yeah, that made it into a joke. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he did something that purposely fucked up my, like he thought would purposely fuck up my OCD. And then when he found out he didn't, he knew he could get away with it and has done it multiple times. <laughs> well, yeah, as soon as I found out that I wasn't actually being an asshole, yeah. I was like, oh yeah, no, I'm gonna and, keep doing this. Thing and then when I told you fun. what and then when I told you what set up my OCD, your response was not cool, I won't do that. Yours was, oh cool, I'm gonna use that one day. <laughs> no, I didn't say I will use that one day. I was like, well, I'm gonna keep that in the back of my head. Because oh! you never know when you're gonna need it. I feel yeah. like your guys' relationship is like when one brother is a senior in high school and the other is a freshman. Yes. So then when they're around <laughs> each other at high school, the senior has to show, oh, this is my brother, but I don't really like him. Yeah. <laughs> David's a step away. I'm uh, the senior, a, right? Yeah. So you're yeah. the senior, of course. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're a, no, even in, this, in my head, you were the senior. You're a step away from sack tapping me. <laughs> I, I was never wanting do. to see a, a live swirly on the podcast at some point, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, when things go back to normal and we actually start doing live shows, because we had a venue that was yeah. willing to do some live shows, uh, we, we, I don't know, we might just do that. We might just Sex do app. that. But also, when the, other, when the other people aren't around, I'm very, very nice to Jeremy. It is true. It is true. <laughs> he, he asked me for money in the nicest way possible. That was for gas money because you made me drive six goddamn hours for a show that didn't happen. <laughs> that sounds like six hours in the past. And I let the past go. Because I learned from this special how to heal. <laughs> this is why I'm mean to you. Because <laughs> you say shit like that. <laughs> uh, but no, I think healing... I think happy comic. Okay, like there was a comic in Omaha, two comics in Omaha that I love, and they're not David. They're <laughs> well, actually, one is a David. He's not performing anymore. There's three comics. Two of them aren't performing. Brandon Cordis. Mm-hmm. Oh, four. Brandon Cordis, Kevin Hamilcheck, David Campbell, mm-hmm. and Sean Flaherty. And the reason why they're my favorite comics to watch. Sean Flaherty is absurdist, but he never says he hated something on stage. In fact, during our episode, he, I was talking about something I liked, and he looked at me like, do you ever just talk about stuff you like? And he, it's liking stuff, hating stuff is, seems so against what he wants to do, and everyone else is happy. Happy comedy can exist, and not that church comedy bullshit. Yeah, like the actual true happy comedy can exist it's just much more difficult to uh do yeah you have, 
you have to have a such a likable personality to do it and not yeah. come off as a douche like uh, Ron Funches or uh, mm. Steve Simone's another guy who's an LA guy. There's certain guys that are just very likable and they they talk about how they love things or they like things and you're like, okay, yeah, yeah I believe that. But most people, it's just like, mm, what are you trying to do here? Yeah. Sarah Mowry of LA, when on our episode, we talked about making sure that before you're on stage, you're okay first. So if you end up saying comedy is my therapy a lot, take a step back work on you take a week off take a few listen to a podcast listen to running the light do what you want to do and i won't because this show is toxic but uh (laughs) but i do things i like uh you know and i want to make sure i'm happy before i go on stage i might bitch and moan about stuff but you got to make sure you're okay because people know People laugh at you more when you're okay, and people enjoy your show more. When you're even if you are, even if you are complaining about things, people will still you'll perform better if you are okay, or yeah. at the very least, you know, in a place where you can focus on the job at hand. Yeah, and this is this next sentence is going to be specifically for for the listeners. I don't care about you two for a minute. Well, I, I care about Zach, the listener, in like two days. Uh, <laughs> open mics are going to be opening soon, if they aren't already open in your town now. Mm. And this Illinois time, has a very slow process with that, so we're waiting like another month or two at least. But I wish you, we you were. Guys are prob- you guys are probably smart for doing that, especially with all the things going on in this country right now. After well, the Memorial Day weekend and after all of the protests going on across the country, we're going to see a huge increase in cases. So, yeah, the uh, I I saw there's been a bunch of like stories posted like Illinois is the only state that's following federal guidelines for reopening. So I was like, okay, well, and then people are still complaining about the governor, but whatever. <laughs> but it's going to be stressful when when it, when things open back up, and it's going to be scary and you're going from no people or very few people to a bunch of people and so it might be stressful it is okay to skip an open mic grind doesn't exist if you feel nervous or unsafe at any point if you're going back out in public you don't have to go home be safe if you're concerned, like if you have a family member who is um, immunosuppressed that you see on a regular basis, you don't need to go out to do comedy. Take care of yourself and help take care of them so mm-hmm. that way they don't get this. If, even if you don't have that, just take care of yourself. So even if you do go out, Put on a mask, even if it's just a cloth mask that prevents you from spreading it to other people. Have your hand sanitizer, wash your hands regularly. Just take all of the precautions you can if you do feel like you're going to go out and you have to go out. Care and about don't other do people. this haphazardly. Yeah, What'd you care say? about other people. And yeah, rem- I, don't be a I, dick. Such a, simple con- such a simple concept that I think like, half of the population in America just doesn't fucking get right now. And and remember this clip after the pandemic. <laughs>
if you're not feeling good, if you're sad, if you're stressed, if you're too angry, it's okay. Go home. It's okay. No one cares. Yeah. No, people it's, care, but you're fine. It's it's not like work where you have to call in and you feel bad for missing. Like if you don't go to an open mic like because you're not feeling well, that's fine. Like you don't have to do these things. No yeah. one is forcing you to do it. If you need to take a time off to get your head right, take time off to get your head right because it's yeah. only going to be harmful for you and possibly harmful for other people around you. And if you're afraid about like, well, what if I get rusty? We saw tonight, the more you work on yourself and the more you're better, you don't get unfunnier. No. You get if better. Anything, you un if anything, you unlock an entirely new uh, You're going to say skill tree, aren't world. you? World. Okay. Well, I was, and then I was like, no, that's too gamery. You essentially unlock a whole new world that you get to talk about. I, yeah. I've noticed the best at comedy I've been, like the most on, are when I'm the happiest. And that's generally how it works, I think. Even if you're talking about being annoyed with stuff on stage or your bits are about that, uh, like, if you look at Bill Burr, when he was less happy in his home life, when he didn't have a kid and didn't have a wife, he was a shittier comic. And now he's got a kid and a wife, and he's a better comic. I feel his like wife. that in general happens. Yeah. And yeah. he complains. He he complains about everything. So, if and it's you, not if if you if you because if you're just happier. Even if you're complaining and doing angry jokes, you remember why this is a joke and why it's funny. If you're just yeah. angry, then you're just angry. And people can tell that. Yeah. And I learned that for me, my writing gets better. When I'm really depressed and I have a hard time getting out of the house and focusing, my joke writing is one words. They're sentences. They are, they are in and out jokes because I don't want to be here that long. And I don't want to mm. think for too long. When I am a better person, my jokes are longer. I ramble. They take more work, but that's fine because I want to think and sit with it. Well, you just have more fun. It's easier to write in a silly mood. Yeah. Because you're already wanting to make jokes. So. Yeah. And your mind doesn't want to be distracted. I know when I'm sad, I get distracted. Yeah. So just, you're funnier when you're happier, guys. Don't worry. Agreed. Yeah. Unless you're Lewis Black. Yeah. <laughs> he's well, even he has exception to, to the rule. <laughs> and, and if, Those and damn if you, fingers you, of Lewis Black, I swear, they're the funniest things in the yeah. world. Yeah. Yeah. The, like it doesn't even look like he's controlling them half the time. No, like, he's <laughs> has a mark. There's like he is a, this is the only outlet for the pure rage. He is a human cartoon when he gets angry. He is. He is a human cartoon. <laughs> That's and, why they had him play Rage in uh, Inside Out. Oh yeah, that works so yeah. well. By the way, that advice came Perfect. from a guy who talks about being depressed all the time, and a guy that screams at the depressed guy all the time. <laughs> Oh yeah, that 
Look, if you weren't in therapy and I know you have somebody else there to help you, I would be way nicer to you. <laughs> but I but shouldn't be I telling you I got a therapy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, guys. Well, just... yeah, I've never... Go on, go on. No, just be, just work on you, guys. There's, mm. there's apps that have you call a therapist without health insurance and stuff like that. Just go do it. It's good times. There, there, y'all fucking where, happier. Yeah, where, 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 where do we go now? <laughs> the more we... you know. Do, do, so, do. do. <laughs> so my Tamagotchi evolved, uh, oh. and the 40th anniversary Pac-Man Tamagotchi is really cool. You get to play little Pac-Man games on it. Is there a way you can mute it. him? Oh, sorry. I, oh, the Tamagotchi? She's, yeah. You hold... She's, uh, she's the one running the meeting, so yeah, I can't yeah. mute him. <laughs> He's the only one who bought Zoom. Also, guys, if you're hosting a Zoom meeting, buy Zoom. So it goes over 40 minutes. Zoom will clock you after 40 minutes. Or just have a better shorter podcast that's no no <laughs> or or torrent software guys you can do it so are you saying if you go over 40 minutes you're running the light yeah <laughs> yeah i think this is the first time on this podcast that we've had somebody able to just work the name of the podcast that's just beautiful yeah beautiful. zach you're <laughs> You're our second best fan. I'm number two. Oh, wait. You didn't, you didn't, I don't see notes in your chemistry notebooks, so it's, so not as passionate. Oh, Spencer. That's right. The man who, instead of taking notes in his chemistry notebook, took notes so he could be on a podcast. The guy that remembered our questions more than me. Yeah. 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 <laughs> when I die, I'll just give him the podcast. I feel like that'll put him in more debt if you give him the podcast. No, so surprisingly, uh this is a this is a no a no net gain, no net loss venture. Only emotionally. Oh. <laughs> I mean during the quarantine that has been. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's great. Anyway, Zach. Zach, it's actually very nice to talk to you. Oh, thank you. Thank you guys for Why did you on. say that like it was a surprise? <laughs> I thought you'd be a dick, but you're I, decent. No, I mean, you're a very sweet and genuine person. And <laughs> thank you. that's a surprise for comics. <laughs> I is agree that, with you there. Is, is that more honest, David? <laughs> <laughs> the, the honesty wasn't the issue that I had with it. The issue that I had with it was the fact that you sounded like you'd be a good person. <laughs> Why were you so surprised about that? It's not like you called up Larry and was like, hey, do you know this guy? And Larry was like, oh, yeah, he's a dick. Don't talk to him. And you were like, you know what? I'm going to talk to him anyway just to see. And then you find I out. I would oh, do that. Nice. Fuck yeah, I would do that. That sounds fun. <laughs> Sounds you fun. and I have such a different idea of fun. <laughs> <laughs> You've never burned the audience down, have you? Me? Yeah. 
like on purpose yes i felt joy have you felt joy what yes yeah did you feel like a big man Dude, I have an entire like 10 minutes that I do at the end of sets if I didn't like the audience. <laughs> because, I, it, because the jokes are, they're jokes, but they're super dark and super depressing and super fucked up and they're all about death. Because if I don't like an audience, I just want to remind them all, hey, we're all going to die. So one of us has the power here <laughs> you're just like okay no, no, no. this isn't going well uh let me look behind my notebook oh there's gasoline here and a few <laughs> matches let's go <laughs> <laughs> uh hey kids what's behind your ear fuck you uh but zach i want to get to know you more and that's why i have some fast five questions two 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 fast five Oh, we need to isolate that now. I want a soundboard. Use that as a sound drop. <laughs> uh, I will turn into the shock shock I was born to play. But uh, favorite sandwich, fave Sammy. Uh, I'll I'll go with a Reuben on rye. I love a Reuben sandwich. Good old Nebraskan boy. I like it. He's not from Nebraska. No, nope, yeah. he's Nebraskan now. I think Rubens, I think New York City, like an old school Jewish deli, but I guess was Nebraska. Was it made in Nebraska? Yeah, I think the, the, the Reuben was made in Nebraska. Yeah. But it became such a popular sandwich that they all, you know, it spread around. And then, of course, once New York got their hands on it, they just made it better. Yeah. So. Like What's pizza. in the water up there? That's what they say about everything, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I have like the confidence of that. I think. I think. I don't I know. Whatever. <laughs> the, the, it's like the pizza. It was invented in Omaha, but Nebraska, uh, but uh, New York made it better. You know all those Italians they have in Nebraska. You listen. <laughs> hey, Giuseppe, no, come down here. <laughs> Do we have a lot of Italians? We. we uh, there were a lot of Italians uh, living in South Omaha. Yeah, we had Little Italy. Uh, yeah, my, my uh, little, little Italy. My great grandfather worked at Omar's Bakery and delivered down there. Yeah. Yeah, there. South Omaha has a very interesting history, just about because it seems like every new immigrant community that would come to Omaha would set up shop somewhere down there. So you had the Italians, and you had the Irish, then you had the uh, Bohemians. Yeah. Uh, and now it's a largely uh, Latino population. Oh, I think I did hear about Italians in Omaha. They opened up yeah. the Olive Garden over there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you guys call it the Olive Garden. We call it two OK Steakhouses. We call it... Oh my god! Uh, <laughs> that's that's the authentic Italian. <laughs> a babidi poop, a breadstick. <laughs> uh, favorite joke that you tell? I will accept the running the light joke as your favorite joke that you told. <laughs> uh, the favorite joke that I tell was the one I mentioned earlier about the the time I was hit as a kid. Because it's like it's such a turn, and I get to see audience members be like, "Oh, this is gonna get sad," but then I make jokes of, about it that it like there's so many punchlines in it, and then 
there's one part where I'm like, so he was hitting me, and that's a literal punchline, guys. <laughs> and that 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 tells me that's like one of those qualifiers. Like, is this a crowd that will like me? Yes, yeah. no, maybe. <laughs> so I have one of those I have a, early early bailout points. <laughs> I have I have a question. When you do those jokes, because I've been working on sad jokes, you know, uh, about like uh, loss and stuff. Do you, do you use punchlines to undercut the sadness or to showcase how the sadness is weird in its own reality? I'll be honest. I, I feel like I just, that's how I write is so punchline heavy. Yeah. That, because growing up, I'm like, this is the only thing I offer to people is my jokes. <laughs> so it's kind of converted over to my writing style is like, I have to have punchlines. They don't want to hear my annoying nasally voice just talk about things. <laughs> well, we've spent almost two hours and I do enjoy listening to you. Aw. Only, only you. David, again, as always, you're fine. Uh... Uh, th- the sentiment is mutual. <laughs> <laughs> it's Omaha mutual. Mutual of Omaha. <laughs> Uh, what's a new joke that you're working on? I don't accept running the light as your answer. <laughs> I mean, uh, the last two months, I haven't really had a chance to <laughs> over new jokes. I mean, I've started doing sketch videos. Like, I've done two that I released on my YouTube page, uh, Zach Reacts, Z-A-C-H. And then, if you don't know how to spell Reacts, maybe don't subscribe. Uh <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I've I've have one that we just released on Friday uh that is uh it's like a mystery comedy thing. Uh it's called Who Killed Prop Comic and it's I saw that. It's That's ridiculous you. and fun. Nice. Nice. I need to go uh, check this out because if the premise itself is making me laugh, it's I will gotta put, be worth the watch. I will put a link to it in the description of this video. Thank you. Yes. Uh, any new jokes, David? Because I can say no. <laughs> um, I mean, there's that bit that I, I'm not sure if I told you about this one, just how I want to finally bring my fascination with conspiracy theories yeah. onto st- Like, It's not that I believe in any conspiracy theories. It's just that I'm fascinated by them. Same. And how the, yeah, and how there's that slippery slope, though, where fascination could very easily come into, there's just a lot of pieces about it that I'm slowly trying to pick apart, trying to figure out where I want it to go. And it's hard because I can't tell it to an audience. Uh, And then the other thing that it made me, sorry, go on. Are you saying that sometimes you're afraid that that your uh, fascination can turn into fascism? Huh? That was not no. worth. You should have just kept talking, David. I should have. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I've learned this lesson several times during the podcast. That there are times when, whenever Jeremy interrupts me for when I'm talking, it's to make a joke mm. like that. So I cool. just so Zach, give it what the do you? Of day. What? <laughs> Talk off. Finish your thought, oh. you dumbass. Oh my god. Yeah, thank you. Uh, <laughs> Mommy and Daddy are fighting. <laughs> The, uh, the the main thing that I want to do with that joke is to talk about what my favorite conspiracy theory is, 
and that is that JFK was accidentally killed by the CIA or the uh, Secret Service agent in the car in front of him <laughs> because it turns like the biggest conspiracy theory in American history into just the worst bay at work story ever. <laughs> I've tried to make uh, two different uh, JFK assassination jokes work and both of mm. them have uh, done mediocre. So I had to kick both of them out of my act. So I'd be interested to see how you do do this. Yeah, that's the, that's the thing that I'm nervous about this joke is like, it's, it's what I want to talk about, but it's kind of weird. And I'm not sure if some people are gonna be willing to go with me on it. So we'll figure it out. The other idea that I had about conspiracy theories is how the only conspiracy theories that I will truly believe is any conspiracy theory told uh, that someone has about Jeff Bezos. Yeah, that Because the man all. just has so much money, like, of course he did. Of I course, just realized yeah. I, I had an old JFK joke about how that, that Marilyn Monroe uh, blowjob porn came out and people thought it was JFK. And I added the line, because of the opening of the urethra attack on the tip of the penis. And then I paused and I went, you could tell it's JFK by the hole in his head. And... <laughs> That's so dumb. But it... I, I had a joke that was similar to that. Uh, I talk about being fat, and like the the joke starts off with me saying that my areolas look like JFK half dollars, and uh, then I I mention that uh, except you know without the exploding head on the front of the coin, and that <laughs> that always didn't do well. So then I had to not have that joke in there anymore. It would do a half and a half. I'm gonna <laughs> fuck it. I'm gonna bring that joke. Well, most like JFK's head. Uh, I'm gonna bring that joke back and just play around <laughs> and see the, if people laugh. The, the I don't know why the JFK assassination is hard to make a joke about, but I don't know why the killing of a, of the leader of the free world is hard to make a joke about. The, the main thing that I'm going to do when I try to talk about the Secret Service is I'm going to leave it. I'm not going to talk about the JFK so much as much as I'm just going to focus on the Secret Service agent. Yeah. Like how he's going to, he goes home and his wife says, hey, how was work today? And he's like, oh, you aren't going to believe this shit. I hope you saved the classifieds because I'm poor sure getting fired. And then he's like going around in the, uh, the house is like... Uh, uh, Make sure there's it's not bugged. <laughs> She's like, "What are you doing?" Uh, oh God, uh, Zach! Zach, why do you tell jokes? Oh, we didn't ask you what you've been working on. What have you been working? I on? literally have no. Zach, why do you tell jokes? It's fun. <laughs> it's fun to, and then it's also just going back to this special you get to see different perspectives that like me, a boring fat straight white dude wouldn't normally see when you go to the comedy club, you know, there's a couple black comics, there's a gay comic, there's a lesbian comic, there's a couple older female comics, younger female comics. It's like you get to hear different perspectives from different groups of people and not just your normal, uh, what the society calls normal. Um, you know groups of friends that's yeah. that's why i do it because I, then i get to the comic hang afterwards and you get to just figure out different things about about people 
the comic hang is is maybe one of my favorite parts of comedy when it's not full of assholes uh but yeah no representation matters you get to hear so many people in a uh lineup that it just like i said it's like a collage it's like a mosaic it's it's an art pardon me yeah they you fucking how do you ruin things david (laughs) (laughs) but I have an uncanny ability. No, you have the burpees. You don't have ability. You have the burpees. Uh, I got the burpees. Right, right when you're trying to make a poignant, you rat salient important point. Uh, burp. God, you no, you fucking that's... Rick and Morty loving piece of shit. I've never seen that show. That's all right. I. I did watch the other show that one of the co-creators of Rick and Morty made, the uh, Solar Opposites. The main reason I watched that one is because I, uh, I got to open for uh, Mary Mack at one point, and she's, she's does so the voice funny. of one of the aliens. She's so funny. Oh fuck she's yeah! She's so funny, and she's great on that show too. Like it took me a while to warm up to that show, but. Uh, like after yeah, the second episode, I was just like, okay, they're hitting their stride. This is really fun. Yeah, that first episode is is rough. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, it's not anyway. like your typical pilot. It's like they just kind of jumped in, like you would yeah. already know the background. So, so that was a little weird. But anyway. Um, Anyways, you were saying. No, I wouldn't have like half of the opinions that I have today, and I wouldn't have the understanding of the world I have today. If it wasn't for the fact that I threw comedy, I got to meet so many different people. Yeah. Like I'm not, I was outside of my, you know, comfort zone. I was outside of my safe space where everybody in my life, you know, thought essentially the same way. And then when you finally get to meet people with different experiences and different uh, backgrounds, then you get a better understanding and a fuller picture of what the world actually is and you get to you get to find out how smart you are and how stupid you are compared to other comics which is fun yeah <laughs> you 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 get to learn what you don't know exactly yeah i yeah yeah i just being around so many people is great and that's why you should travel if you can <laughs> not right now no, no yeah, oh not. fuck yeah not right now but like yeah because it's like five in the afternoon like the, by the time you get anywhere it's dark like yeah i get it i was talking more about covid but if you want to oh you're oh, you talking about the deadly path again uh that's uh shining the nation yeah that too that too but apparently some people don't care so fuck me uh-huh. yeah just go to the ozarks and die yeah <laughs> Well, that sounds like a very specific old-timey insult. <laughs> Why don't you go to the Ozarks and die, fella? Die. Say. <laughs> uh, do you like jokes, Zach? <laughs> do I like... Of course I love I love jokes. Jokes are what keeps me going some days, especially yeah. with this whole quarantine. I've noticed I've watched a lot more stand-up these last two or three months than I normally would because I don't have the outlet. So yeah. I might as well watch stand up and like uh, you know enjoy the time where I'm at home where I usually wouldn't be. Mm. Yeah, yeah. David, do you still enjoy jokes? Mm. 
I have a love-hate relationship with them. <laughs> it depends uh, on who's telling them and if it's a good one. See, that's why we're buddies. It's especially more like over just over the past couple of days, I've been scrolling through some shit and I was like, no, no, <laughs> not that joke. No, not oh, that joke. Oh, I've avoided online with the exception of Twitter because my Twitter is so curated to just hyper leftist people <laughs> and video game people. So I was like, oh, I don't get to hear someone try their material right now? Fucking dope. Oh, uh, God. Uh, if your sense of a natural tragedy is, hey, Hey, what about this? Would this would this kill? Would this be funny? Don't. No. No. Just wait. <laughs> at the, if you are gonna make those jokes, at the very fucking least, wait till the weekend is over. Yeah. Like, give it a couple days. Like, even after nine eleven, New York comedians didn't make nine eleven jokes until like three days later. Yeah. Give it some goddamn yeah. time. And have some perspective. Like, yeah. I don't know. As a white dude, I don't feel comfortable saying shit about this. I'm too stupid. Yeah. And, like, I haven't lived the life, like, of a black person who's had to deal with cops being pricks. So why would I say anything? I'm I'm dumb. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. The other people have been able to say how I feel about this way more not way more they've been able to say a way better and also be with more sincerity than i would ever be able to say anything about this so why do i I need to throw my voice in there exactly well i'm gonna say one sentence that will be evergreen on this podcast always make fun of cops (laughs) just (laughs) they deserve it uh, but that's our podcast. Zach, where can people find you? Uh, Zach Boblet on Facebook. Um, I barely use my Instagram. <laughs> so I guess you could, you could go on there. Uh, Zach Boblet on Twitter. I don't use that really either. So mainly on Facebook and also on YouTube <laughs> at Zach Reacts. Yeah. I've just started getting that going. So what, check what? out the sketch videos we've got going there. What, what? David, where can people not find you? Uh, where can they not find me? Um, uh, so many message boards on Reddit. <laughs> uh, uh, where they can find me is they can find me at David underscore Cowsguard on Instagram and Twitter. That's K-O-U-S-G-A-A-R-D. Uh, DavidCowsguard.com. Kind of like Zach, though, I found out that I'm using my Instagram less and less because I was using my Instagram purely for like comedy promotion. I take pictures of my cat and trees. Yeah, I've seen that. Your your intro to photography classes going very Fuck well off. for you. Fuck <laughs> off. What are you doing in your life? I'm raising a digital baby. What are you doing? Now I'm sad. I sleep in a race yeah. car bed. I sleep in a big bed with my wife. Oh. I sleep in a king size bed. <laughs> oh, that's actually nice. My wife and I only have a queen, and 
we have two fur babies, two barky babies that okay. take up the whole bed. <laughs> so you can find me on Twitter at Plum Jeremy. <laughs> no, I deserve that. I hate yeah. you too. <laughs> yeah. And on Instagram for Plum Jeremy. Uh, I was going to, and I might just do it again. There's a thrift store uh, by my house. Uh, I might do a little thing where I just go through that and try and find comedy stuff. Because, guys, go to thrift stores. You fought, you discover comedians that you may not find on Netflix. It's fun. It's worth it. Um, so if you want to see the misadventures of me, there, that's where you can find me. Uh, and on, Inst- on uh, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, just search for Running the Light. It's the big red light. And it's basically just my alt account. <laughs> <laughs> it's the it's the account you use to back yourself up in arguments. <laughs> uh, yeah, pretty much. Uh, anyways, uh, Zach, it's a pleasure. I hope to hear from you again. And when Thank I'm in Springfield, I hope to do a show with you. Yeah, Thank I'm gonna try to get out on... to Omaha also and check it out. Uh, the scene there too. Don't hell yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how it was. It's going to be after the pandemic, but try to shoot for like the first weekend of the month and uh, I can vouch for you and try to get you on a couple of shows. Oh, thank you. Yeah. But yeah, thank, thank uh, you for being on the show. Thank you for being such a great guest too. This was a great conversation. Man. I really oh, thanks. It. Thanks yeah. so much. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, have a good one. See ya. Okay. Bye. Bye.